Stories podcast. Guys, what's been happening over the last week? I've been receiving a bunch of emails from you guys, and it's been making me feel warm and fuzzy and like I'm constructed from 100% gratitude. Keep them coming, guys. I have a bit of a habit of answering in paragraphs, many sometimes nonsensical paragraphs. But if you don't mind that, you can reach me at Hayden at TravelStoriesPodcast.com or on our social media at Backpack Digital. As for today, we have Amy and Matt Leichtfuss, or as I've been referring to them during production, Der Leichtfussen, along, <laughs> along with their relatively homemade truck, their travel vloggers surfers and amateur engineers as you'll find out and can be found on youtube at the traveling together journal so let's jump into the story and the interview with amy and matt leichtfuss or der leichtfussen <laughs> i'm sure they would appreciate that from the traveling together journal We were driving across a long bridge over a wide river, and at the far end of the bridge was a large sign across the highway reading, Bienvenidos a Michoacan. Welcome to Michoacan. We looked at each other and shared a bit of a nervous laugh as we entered one of the most infamous states of Mexico. Michoacan is known as an area with heavy drug cartel activity and is often avoided by travelers. But if we listened to everybody else's worries, we wouldn't have gone to Mexico at all. So we continued south down Highway 200, looking for beautiful beaches and fun surf. As we drove along the narrow winding highway through sparsely populated dense jungle, we recollected the novel In Search of Captain Zero. In the novel, the protagonist travels from the United States to Costa Rica, looking for a lost friend and some good waves. He too drove this stretch of highway with a heightened sense of fear because he too had been warned. He became disoriented in the dense jungle and pulled over to check his maps. Within minutes, a military patrol stopped and surrounded his camper with guns pointed, expecting to see the aftermath of a violent scene. Everything ended fine for our protagonist, but this scene replayed in our minds, along with all the warnings from people back in the States and other parts of Mexico. Don't go to Michigan, you'll die. As our paranoia grew, our fuel supply diminished and began to become a worry. In previous parts of Mexico, fuel stations were common, but here we were halfway through the state and not a single station yet. So we pushed on through the confining jungle around yet another blind turn when we saw something in the road ahead. It was a rope. And someone off the road in the dense trees had pulled it tight across the road 
to block our way as we approached. Our hearts started racing. We tried to quickly hide our cameras, our wallets, anything that might show value, and hoped we could get out of this situation unharmed and just a few pesos short. As we pulled up to the rope, our hearts were pounding. We strained to see who was in the trees, who pulled the rope and blocked our way, who was about to assault us. As Matt nosed the truck up to the taut line and we gained sight of our assailants, confusion overcame us. We were dumbfounded as a group of six little girls approached the vehicle with a jar asking for donations to help support their soccer team by uniforms. We managed to get out of the situation unharmed, though we did end up a few pesos lighter. Hey guys, it's Amanda here. We at Backpack Digital wanted to let you know how much your support is deeply appreciated. We also wanted to let you know that we love creating the show for you, and we also hope that it helps to spread more inspiration. A way you can spread more inspiration is by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram. The handles for all of our socials are Backpack Digital. Anyway, I need to go. My cat has a question, and I really don't think he can wait any longer. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. You must be somewhere in Central America right now, right? We are. We are currently in a beach town on the Pacific coast of El Salvador, and the beach town is called Zonte. Zonte. Nice. Oh, I like the accent you said that with. That was awesome. <laughs> is that something you're... Because uh, I know when you're, when you're in different countries, you begin to kind of... You kind of get the accent, or at least I get the accent a little bit, and you start seeing the words as they're meant to be said, in a way. Does that make any sense? Yeah, we- well, we've been going through Spanish-speaking countries for a while now, so been working on the accent. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We just got done with two weeks of Spanish school in San Pedro on Lake Atitalan in Guatemala. So, Oh, how cool. No way. So it was a Spanish school where you were learning Spanish there? Or? Yes. Nice, nice. And this was, this was after you'd started your trip? Yeah, we just did the Spanish school maybe a month ago, maybe less than a month ago. Nice. So was that just like kind of basic stuff and, you know, greetings and signs and everything like that that you need to know? Or did you know any Spanish before you before you went? We both have traveled through Spanish speaking countries on our own a few times. And we always end up having to kind of like relearn the same stuff. So we've been trying to practice our Spanish the whole time we've been on the trip. We've been on the road for almost eight months now. So when we showed up to this Spanish school, we had a really weird set of Spanish skills. We had a decently high vocabulary, but we could pretty much only talk like... Like in single words type of thing. Uh, we could like kind of put together sentences, but it was probably something like a three-year-old or a four-year-old trying to learn to talk. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. It's the it's the prepositions and the words that don't really seem that important, like on, in, at, and stuff like that, that like, they're so, they change so much, especially in Latin languages. And without those words, it's very hard to convey what you mean. 
we were managing to get everything we needed to get done done, but people for a minute would think that we actually knew more Spanish than we really do. And we would, I guess, um, what do you, what do you call it? Yeah. Basically they would think we could speak better Spanish than we did. And then all of a sudden they'd start trying to actually talk to us and have a conversation. And we would just be like, mm, sorry guys. <laughs> Man, um, I, I always <laughs> have that problem. I had that problem in, uh, in Indonesia, right? I learned as much Bahasa as, as I could and in order to kind of get by. And I learned a couple of phrases, you know, probably the same as you did. A couple of phrases like, Hey, you know, how much is this? Or, you know, stuff like that. And if you say it, if you, if your goal is to say it well, which obviously it is, and you say it well, they come back at you with a big long sentence that you know is a question. <laughs> and you go, Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. <laughs> so we keep referencing this trip. Why are you in Central America right now? We're both travelers and we decided we wanted to do a big trip together. So we've been saving up some money and kind of trying to decide where to go. And um, we have a dog, and so we decided that the easiest thing would be to do a road trip instead of trying to, like, fly him around. So we went to California and got a car and figured we could drive all the way to Panama. Nice, nice. That's the way to do it. I love that. So you say you, you went to California. Where did you, where did you come from? Where were you, where were you before California? Both of our parents live in California, and before that we were in Maui, Hawaii. So we were living, working, and saving in Hawaii. And then when it was time for us to start this adventure, we flew to California, flew to my dad's house, bought a truck in San Santa Cruz, where he lives, and then drove it down to where Matt's parents live in Ojai, California, which is in Ventura County, and sort of built our truck camper. Yeah, I want to talk about your uh, truck camper. That needs a new word. There needs to be a better word than truck camper. <laughs> yeah. <Firstly. laughs> yeah, if you've seen it, you definitely are like, mm, should we really call it a truck camper? <laughs> That's cool. I want to talk about that. What's what's it like? If you were to paint a picture for our listeners of what your truck camper looks like and what uh, what it has in it, how it works, and maybe even how you made it and how you made it work. Maybe any problems you've had with it as well? <laughs> How would you paint that picture? So we have a Toyota pickup, which is a T100. And that is a model that was just before the Tundra. So it's a f basically a full-size pickup. And we bought a camper shell. And then we cut off the top half of the camper shell and took some really thin plywood and then fiberglass that plywood to create some sort of box. And the box does go over the main cab of the truck, but we don't sleep up there. So it kind of looks like a camper where you would sleep up over the cab, but we just have six surfboards <laughs> strapped up inside of it that go over across the cab. And then our bed is the level of the truck bed. So underneath that is all storage boxes. And we have a refrigerator inside that also is kind of the level of the bed. And up 
above where the surfboards are, I also have a massage table because I'm a massage therapist, although I haven't worked a single day of this trip yet. <laughs> that's so but cool. the idea. <laughs> <laughs> no way. That's... I'll tell you, that's a bit of a weird collection of things to, to, uh, to have in a camper truck. Like, why do you have six surfboards? I've got to ask. Well, Matt has his three, four. He has four, and I have two. Is, there, is this some type of new new surfing that I don't know about where you surf four at once? Or are they different styles or different <laughs> waves? Or what, what's that about? Well, each board is basically good for different conditions, different kind of waves. And since we're traveling for a couple of years, there's also a pretty good chance that I'll break at least one or two of them. So, wow! I love that you've got your priorities straight. It's like, right, we've got limited <laughs> space here. We should take a surfboard. No, 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 no. We should take six surfboards. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> That's great. Uh, we do have a couple of spear guns and some fishing rods up above Matt's head as well. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. <laughs> See, that's they don't tell you about that when you read about decking out your truck camper. You know, it's not like <laughs> leave space for the spear guns, you know. <laughs> that's cool. No way. Now, you mentioned about a uh, refrigerator as well. So I'm imagining you're not running this off the off the normal 12 volts in the in the truck. Is it how are you how are you powering that? Um, it is a 12-volt refrigerator, but we do have a secondary battery set up with uh, solar panels. And uh, yeah, so it runs off of the 12-volt. Oh, no way. So you've got, you got solar panels set up in that as well then? Yeah, we have uh, 300 watts of solar and a 150-amp-hour house battery no that way. runs our fridge and our fan and our lights. That's so cool. And I suppose a fan is probably quite essential where you are as well. It's one of my favorite things in the entire truck. <laughs> Wouldn't it be a shame if some English guy on the other end of the phone uh, asked you to turn it off? That really would be a shame. <laughs> <laughs> it would get kind of warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to keep this interview going just so you get warmer and warmer. <laughs> <laughs> especially in central america on the beach <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's ideal it's ideal oh that's great so how did you how did you get the the solar power all working and stuff solar power to me is is super interesting it's something i've always been kind of interested in but in the way that that it's always like i should really look into that dot 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 never happens and then yeah so solar power is something i'm interested in how how does that kind of work for you like how big are your panels and how much do your panels power and for how long i know it might not be interesting to some but for me it is and it's my show so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we have uh 300 watts of solar that's divided up into three panels so that I set it up so they're on hinges and they kind of fold up into like a little case sort of. Um, and then we have that as a unit that we'll pull out of the truck and be able to set out in the sun. That way we can still park in the shade. And it provides us with enough power, assuming that there's good sun, to keep a 66 liter refrigerator running and uh to run a fan at night and a couple hours of using some led lights wow that's amazing that's am are you, man are you an engineer by any chance <laughs> no this is uh the first time 
I've done anything with solar and electricity in general confuses me. <laughs> so it definitely was a trial and error situation that ended up costing us some extra time and some extra money to really get it all figured out. Yeah, he was actually pretty resistant of the idea of doing solar in the first place. I convinced him it was a good idea, but it was really all about the refrigerator. I didn't really want to have to look for ice in some of these countries or in some of these locations. And I just thought we have to get a refrigerator, which then means we have to have solar for convenience on the road. You just can't find stores with ice everywhere you go. And then if you can't have ice, then you can't keep very much food. You can't have more than a day or two's worth of supplies. So we wanted to be a little bit more remote sometimes, or we wanted to be able to wild camp on a beach somewhere for three, maybe four days and not have to go into town for anything. Mm, yeah, no, it's a, it's a great idea. And I guess the rebuttal always is kind of, you have six surfboards here. Get me some electricity from the sun, you know, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the way to go. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's... Uh, that's super interesting. It's I love the way that that it's like, yeah, I'm not really a fan of, of electricity. I've never really done it before and I'd never done solo before, but hey, let's give it a go. It's kind of it's kind of in the same I mean, I'm I'm guessing here, but is that in the same vein as your as your trip in general? Have you taken trips like this before or is it kind of in the same vein as the solo where let's just give it a go and learn as we go and see what happens? Yes. Uh it is definitely the same as the trip. We researched sort of the things that we thought we would need for the trip, but researching the actual trip isn't something that we did too much. It Every time I went into trying to get into the details of it, it felt really overwhelming to try to think of all the things that you'd want to do, all the places you'd want to go, all the situations you might want to be in for two-year period of time of your life. So we just sort of play it day by day. We look maybe a couple spots ahead and yeah, we're always winging it. Did you say a two-year part of your life? Are you planning to go for two years? Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. No way. Wow, that's really cool. I like that. So after you go, so you're going all through, all through Central America down to Panama, right? Correct. No way. So are you planning to kind of, well, I guess there's no real planning. In fact, we just covered this, but I guess there's no real planning. But like, <laughs> but what are you saying? Like a year uh, going south and then a year going back up north? or? Uh, we basically said a full two years for all the way to Panama. We talk every day about all the different things we might do after those two years. And... It's a variety of things. It's still dreaming about the piece of property and the business we might build. It's talking about rebuilding our truck camper for South America. And the reason we'd have to do that is we only built this thing to take us to Panama where it's really warm. And we did go into the mountains of Mexico and the mountains of Guatemala and we froze. So we know that it's not adequate for South America. Well, that wasn't never the plan, but now it might be the plan. We may stop in Central America to maybe do that rebuild. We may drive back up to our parents' house or Alaska or Florida to do it and work. We don't really know, but 
we know we have at least a year and a half more of our trip just to mostly get to Panama. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I love that. Was there ever a point when you were in the mountains and you were really cold? Was there ever a point where you'd go, I'd probably swap out two or three surfboards for a blanket? Was there? Was there? <laughs> <laughs> the first mountains that caught us off guard, uh, it was so, so, so cold. Uh, I, we had like all our clothes on and we were still really cold. And the next morning, I go to the lady who runs, they have these cabins. So we, you know, we could rent a cabin, uh, but it would have been quite a bit more expensive than camping. And I, I go up to her and ask her, like, is there anywhere I can buy a blanket in town? And she just is like, oh, I have, I have blankets. So she gave us one of the blankets from inside of the rooms and it was very adequate because obviously it's what it was designed for. And we proceeded to go buy a big blanket the next time we were down in a town that had them for sale. <laughs> nice. I, I love hearing that. Sometimes isn't adequate. You know, it's like when your nose is really cold and yeah. <laughs> Man, tell me about it. The cold, that is my worst enemy. I can deal with anything but the cold. If it's slightly chilly, I'm, I'm, I'm gone. I'm, I've got nothing to do with that. <laughs> so I'm, I hear you. I hear you. But I love hearing that about, you know, when you're in a position like that and you just need some warmth, you just need some whatever it is. I mean, I'm sure if it was way too hot and you didn't have a fan and you went to ask someone, where can we buy a fan? They'd say, here, we have a fan. I, I love hearing about that because it, it happens so much. Whatever predicament you're in, the people around you, the people in the place that you're visiting, they always, and I know I'm saying always and you should never say always, but they always want to just help you out. Have you found that along the way as well? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, my fault my fault it's inter rookie interviewer thing that never ask a yes or no question that is 101 interviewing 101 <laughs> um, yeah, nice. no, you find that as well the the blanket thing or anytime you have uh you know whatever it is car trouble you get stuck somewhere or whatever if you ask around there's always someone that's uh willing to go way out of their way to help you out and it's it's a pretty cool thing Oh, definitely. I love that stuff. And there's two things I want to talk to you about. The first, and this is something we get, we get emails about, we get people asking us about sometimes, traveling with pets. How's that going for you? Tell us about your dog. Is it uh, Jagger is his name? Yes, Jagger is a mixed lab. He's probably about 72 pounds or 35 kilos for anybody who wants to envision that. Uh, he's brown, and he's f almost 14 years old. Wow. And I have never really had to take him to the vet. I think I maybe took him to the vet three times ever in his entire life for just basic stuff. And we took him to the vet three, four times. Four times so far. Four times so far. And a couple times they were, they've all been very stressful situations. Uh, right before we left, he had a little tumor on his eyelid that we were planning on trying to get it removed while we were in Mexico because it would be so much cheaper. And then it just got really gross and weird. And we decided to let the vet in California, Matt's family's vet, 
take it off. And then we left for our trip like two days later. So we didn't have the vet to go back to when something went wrong and something did go wrong. He ended up, he had a cone on his head, but he ended up scratching it open, the surgery. He rubbed his face against, I think maybe a tree or something to be able to scratch at it and ripped it open. And we were at this place called My Sky Ranch in Baja. We were way out in the mountains, four wheel drive only roads. And we ended up thinking this route out was going to be a shortcut and ended up taking us four hours to do eight miles to get to this vet. And we were worried we weren't even going to be able to find a vet because it was almost like four o'clock on a Friday. And so we roll into this really dodgy little town in Mexico and we're asking around because we can't find any kind of a vet. We don't see one. And we ask a pharmacy. The pharmacy points us in the direction. And we find this place. And this is nothing like anyone would envision a vet looking like if they're in the Western world. It is really dirty. There's like chick- little baby chickens. And there's this sad little pug puppy. And he's in this like tiny little cage. And there's... I don't know. It's just dirty, cluttered, more of a farm store. The vet's not there. So they call the vet and he shows up and he's just in like ripped jeans after work clothes with his buddy and a 12 pack of beer that he just bought. And but he comes and he helps us out. But he like comes out with the shot to put the dog down because he's going to have to be put down to sew up his eye again or his eyelid. And he comes out to the car and gives him the shot while he's sitting in the front seat of the car and then drags him inside to this dirty table and just busts out some iodine and then just starts sewing up his eye. We leave with some eye drops, antibiotic eye drops. And the whole time I was just so scared he wasn't going to wake up. It was really intense. Um, And then two days, three days later, he ripped his eye open again. <laughs> so we had to drive like another two hours from where we were to go to sew up his eye again. Um, anyway, so it's been interesting to have this dog that never needed to go to the vet. And now that we're in a situation where it's not easy, he's requiring tons of vet visits. <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy. It's Murphy's Law, isn't it? You know, if, uh, if those things are going to happen, that's when they're going to happen. I think I think Jagger might be a bit of an engineer, too. He managed to remove the cone of shame. That's uh, that's pretty unprecedented. You know, you don't really see that a lot. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's some good thinking. <laughs> Also, I wanted to uh, I wanted to chat about your vlog. Now, I am a vlog lover. I am a travel vlog lover. And I'm a lover of your travel vlog as well. It's fantastic. I love, I don't know, I, you can see Jagger there doing all the stuff that Jagger, I've seen the cone of shame. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I like that you show everything that happens. When you get lost and it's, you know, some people would think, well, you know, I won't put this in because that's bad. It, you, you know, it's, it's people might want to see that. I like that you put everything in there. It's, it's real. Do you, is it, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. That's, we wanted it to kind of show the experience of two people that 
don't really know what they're doing, but they're doing it anyway. <laughs> yes, man, that should be your slogan. That's so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, when did you start it, and uh, what was your what was your what's your reason for starting? Because there's loads of great reasons for starting a travel vlog. I mean, obviously, there's stuff to look back to when you're older and think, "Oh man!" Instead of just thinking, oh, I remember that day when we got lost in the desert." It's, "Hey, look, let's watch that day we got lost in the desert." So there's that, <laughs> and there's also I don't know, inspiring people. There's all these reasons. So what was what was your reason for starting it? It was kind of a mixture. Part of it was just we figured if nothing else, we'll at least have these home videos that are actually watchable instead of just being in a drawer somewhere or something. <laughs> and then also, uh, like we touched on earlier, we don't really have any like definite plans. We don't really know what we're doing. So the idea would be if the vlog does take off and we're able to create some kind of income from it, that would allow us to continue traveling, which would be a dream. Yes, I like that. I like the, see, this is you guys again being real about it because a lot of vloggers, a lot of people in, I guess it's not really the media, but a lot of people that do stuff like vlogs and podcasts and blogs and stuff, they don't talk about the stuff like, yeah, you know, maybe one day we'll, we'll make some money from it. People don't like talking about that. I don't know why, but people don't like talking about that, about that. But, you guys, you can tell that you're you're real about it. Do you know what I mean? It's is this making any sense? It's <laughs> you you know it's there's things that people generally try and shy away from to make themselves look like something else. I like that you just you just discuss <laughs> it anyway. You know what I mean? It's just that's so cool, and that's actually something I wanted to talk to talk about as well. I noticed on your I love this. I noticed on your Patreon, you have what is it the the five dollar goal is the 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 trash thing can you explain what yeah. that is yeah well it's very common for people on patreon to give a reward to their patrons for making donations to each video and we're on the road our youtube channel is currently very new and it's not generating any income so to be able to give a reward the classic ones are stickers and t-shirts you would need to be able to afford that stuff. And we just can't. And so we were like, well, what, what could we do? What could we give people that isn't a material thing? And there's always plenty of trash everywhere. Uh, it's just a very different culture when it comes to throwing trash out of your car. So, that's kind of how we came up with the we'll pick up a giant bag of trash for every person who donates at the $5 level. That's so cool. I love that because one of the things with with me is I like when everyone's a winner. And what I mean by that is when you have things like advertisements, right? The the person that's that's being paid for that is a winner because they're being paid. The person the ad, the person that owns the ad, the company is a winner because they're getting their they're getting money from that. But the viewer isn't really a winner there. They they kind of are in the way that they they get, you know, they get to watch it for free and everything like that. But with this thing that you've got, you know, obviously you're in a good position because that because you can, you know, fund your travels. The person that's watching is in a good position of that because they're they're able to they're able to fund your travels in a way that suits them, which I love. I love that. And also the world is a winner there because you're making it a less trash filled <laughs> place. Man, that's awesome. That's a really great idea. I love that. Thank you. 
Thanks. No worries. <laughs> no worries. So, where can people find this travel vlog? I suppose YouTube, but what what do they search for? It's pretty simple. It's the Traveling Together Journal. If you type those words in, our website will come up and all of our videos are on our website. But if you type those words in to YouTube, we come right up. Fantastic. So what we'll do is we'll put that all in the show notes as well. So you guys can just head to the show notes and uh, click a little link and get there. Or you can search for it. It's the Traveling Together Journal. And that's traveling the US way with one L. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to leave our listeners with? And also, is there anything I haven't asked you that you feel like I should have? I don't know about things that I feel like you should have asked us. I would just have to say that if you're thinking about planning any big travel, big long-term travel, don't over plan it. Like, obviously, you need to know where you're going to go and how you're going to do it. But don't bother with planning the details because those will come as you go. And don't spend all your money on getting ready. Keep it really simple. And whatever else you need along the way, because you didn't get it before you left, you can pick it up. Fantastic advice. That is fantastic advice. I love it. Matthew, what about you, man? Take your wife with you, and then she'll just take care of everything. <laughs> well, that's even better advice. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. Speaking from experience. Love it. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. It's been great talking to you. Thanks so much for coming on. All right. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> no worries. by subscribing to Travel Stories Podcast.